Welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast, where we'll hear stories from Washingtonians from their favorite food at Waltz or the CAF to their favorite Tiger Tunes shows and professors. We'll also find out what they've been up to outside the famed Washita bubble. I'm your host, John Merriman, Washita's Director of Alumni Relations. Today on the Tiger for Life podcast is alumna Kendra Pruitt from the class of 2010. After graduating from Washita, Kendra received her Juris Doctor degree from the University of Arkansas School of Law in 2013. After working for a firm in Little Rock for five years, Kendra joined the administration of Little Rock Mayor Frank Scott Jr. as senior advisor. Kendra shares about her time in the mayor's office and projects and policies she's helped move forward in just 18 months, her volunteer work with the organization she started to give back, reach, and empower youth in her hometown of Newport, Arkansas, Club Restore, her thoughts on the current state of the fight for racial justice and equality in our state, our country, and at Washita, and some of her favorite memories at Washita, like ROMS meetings, Saturday football games and tunes, as well as feeling at home in the CAF. We know you'll enjoy hearing from this true Washita difference maker, Kendra Pruitt. All right, Kendra Pruitt, welcome to the Tiger for Life podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, great to have you with us today. How are things in the mayor's office? How is How are you doing in the pandemic? What are things like there? Yeah, well, the word I use to describe how I'm doing during this pandemic is fair. That's literally <laughs> the best word I can come up with. It's been very... Um, very much fluctuating, you know, some times or some periods during this time, it's um, good days, then you have your bad days, you have the very consistent and disciplined routine days, and then you have the sporadic and spontaneous days. So it's been very much a fluctuating experience during um, this pandemic, but I definitely consider myself very, very blessed because it could be much worse. Yeah, that's true. I mean, so many, you know, friends we're finding out, you know, have the illness and then we find out, you know, friends that aren't able to work. And uh, right. yeah, I mean, my, my boss called me one day and said, you know, how do you feel if we have to move Tiger Tunes to the spring? And I said, I have a job. And so I like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, so that's exactly. like my base level. And I'm like, you know, at least we get to try to have it. And, you know, so that, find the find those positives for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So I know you, you know, went to law school and have had a career in a law firm. Um, how did you move from your career in law to your work in the mayor's office? What drew you to law? And then how has that background helped in your work with the mayor there? That's a great question. Um, growing up, I've always wanted to help people. And that's kind of, it sounds a little cliche, but that's literally been something that I've known for certain for as long as I can remember. And I thought that would manifest itself um, as a career in healthcare. My mom was a science teacher um, throughout all of my growing up years, and she actually went to school to go to medical school. And um, so I think that kind of bled over into my desires a little bit. But actually, in the 11th grade, when I still planned to be um, in the medical field, I was in a maybe AP US history class, and a teacher pulled me aside after class and um, said, Kendra, have you ever considered a career in law? You should consider law school. And I was just like, no way. I'm going to go to med school, actually. But that really sparked something in me, just a random conversation from an educator in the 11th grade that really made me look into what is being a lawyer? Because I didn't have any lawyers in my family, not any that were close to me where I was aware of. And so, um, it 
really struck me as an opportunity for something I could look into. I could still help people. I could have a very flexible schedule and career that would adjust to my life and um, what I wanted for my life. So that really put me on the path to looking into a career in law. Um, I ended up at Washita and had one of the best mentors and advisors you can have in uh, Brian McKinney, who happens to be a lawyer. Um, and he guided me literally through the process as I was pre- preparing for law school. So that's kind of how I ended up going to law school, even though I grew up thinking I'd be a doctor someday. Um, I guess a jurist doctor counts though, right? Right. <laughs> um, and related to the firm, I worked there for about uh, five and a half or six years before transitioning to the mayor's office, working in um, local government was never something I aspired to, nothing I uh, was looking to do, um, but I followed the mayor's race pretty closely in 2018. Early on, I went to the debates, I was listening and um, really was intrigued by Mayor Scott's internal why, as he calls it, um, his internal why is to unite Little Rock. And that really struck me. I was very impressed um, by his campaign. Um, I've known him for quite some time, but we didn't have a close relationship as some of the folks that were working with him uh, were friends and mentors of mine that were happened to be lawyers. They pulled me in and said, hey, we need some help. We need um, some insight from someone smart, someone that has your expertise. Would you be willing to help on the campaign? So I ended up working on the campaign, um, again, with no intentions or expectations to transition into a full-time job, but um, an opportunity presented itself where they needed someone to really influence policy initiatives in the city of Little Rock. And I see it as an opportunity to have gone from um, having about 30 clients at any given time to now having about 200,000 clients at any given time being the residents of the city of Little Rock. Wow. Yeah, that's that's awesome. What kind of projects have you been able to work on that you've enjoyed the most or are most proud of at this point? Um, you know, one of the lead roles as a lawyer is to be an advocate. And that's something that's really intriguing about this job. I'm able to advocate for the residents of Little Rock and to improve their quality of life. And so I've luckily, and I've had the honor to be involved in a handful of different initiatives and efforts that we've been able to um, push towards or even achieve in our short 18 months um, under this new administration. But some of my favorites would be um, one thing that I would, I guess, highlight is I'm, I've been committed to equity. That's just kind of a buzzword for me. And it has guided a lot of my work, personal and professional for some time. And I wanted to ensure that that bleeds into everything we do here at the city of Little Rock. And so, um, starting out, we had a transition, um, board of directors that kind of helped guide us into our role into governance. And I really advocated heavily for having representation uh, by city residents who might not have ever had a seat at the table before. And so we were able to open up, based on that idea, open up applications to the entire city to apply to be on these transition subcommittees. Hmm. So folks from across the city who, again, had maybe never had a role in 
local government before were able to shape our policy platform um, that's literally casting the vision for our administration during this first term. And so the, again, folks from across the city, um, what you might call the haves and have nots, uh, but literally expand across the city. Again, giving a seat at the table to folks who had never been there before is something that I really, really am passionate about and something that we were able to achieve early on, just starting off. And um, a couple other things, the opportunity zones is a big thing that really, again, furthers equity in our city. Those areas that have been um, left behind in a lot of ways, how do we spur economic growth in these areas? I've been able to work very closely with a um, opportunity zone task force to really guide them in what we want to see in different areas of our city. Um, we've been able to implement a citizens review board to really ensure integrity and trust between community and law enforcement. Mm -hmm. So I've been able to draft some um, an ordinance and work um, on the bylaws and different things to really set that up and get that started. And most recently, um, an example during this pandemic, we know small businesses are suffering. So we were able to leverage some of the CARES Act funding um, from the federal government to pass along um, grants and or loans to small businesses who are struggling in our city. And again, these are just a few of the examples of initiatives that I've been able to work with an awesome team to accomplish here in Little Rock. Yeah. What do your days look like in the office? I mean, are they so varied because of all the things you're working on? <laughs> Absolutely. There's no day that's the same. Um, I'm lucky if I can uh, keep up with email. And if you ask anyone, most people would say I'm not doing a very good job at that. Um, but we have a lot of meetings, um, not only with residents and businesses that are interested in the city, but internally, you know, we obviously have um, a large staff. The city of Little Rock employs over 2000 individuals. And so um, working with our various departments to further these goals. So it's meetings, phone calls, emails, research analysis um, and providing advice to the mayor that's awesome when does his election cycle like when does he come up for re-election how does that work yeah so we have a four-year term he was elected in 2018 so he'd be up um, for re-election if he so chooses to run for re-election in 2022 okay. uh, so it's amazing it seems like we've been in office five or ten years already uh, but it's only been 18 months so um, I imagine that, you know, if we get past COVID in the next year, it'll be literally time for another campaign, possibly. Well, yeah, with all you've accomplished and, you know, seen so much in the news, it's hard to believe it's only been 18 months. But I know, I know. Uh, you know, I know this summer has been filled with you know, protests following the death of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Things have been, you know, just really in upheaval. Little Rock's seen a number of those. What are your thoughts on the current state of the fight for racial equality in our state, in our country, maybe even in the city there where you work? That's a great question, John. Um, I consider the fight for um, racial justice, for equality and equity to be a fight of a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it to, we've seen it become and be a fight of a lifetime for several lifetimes. But I think it's going to require um, an all hands on deck approach um, by everyone. Um, that's not only the minorities or the oppressed groups, but I think it's going to be a fight for allies and allies that look 
and maybe even believe a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So I really consider it to be a very serious um, effort. It's something that I've I've been committed to by nature of who I am. Um, and I look forward to working together with whomever to really, really push the needle. Um, I think it's important for our community, not only here locally in Little Rock or Arkansas in general, but across the country and world. And I really look towards um, fellow believers to really lead the charge in this fight. I think there's no better way to um, imitate Christ and to walk um, our walk as Christ believers um, than to really work for justice in our communities. Yeah. What's your church background like and how has your faith kind of played a role in your in your career? What has that background been like? That's, yeah, that's another great question. I guess you're just full of great questions. But um, I grew up missionary Baptist in little Newport, Arkansas. I went to a small church in what's called Blacksville, Arkansas, outside of Newport. Um, and speaking of racial justice, that was kind of the black town um, years and years ago where there were black farmers in a black community. But um, that's where I grew up at church, um, went to a non-denominational church while I was at Washita. I actually joined a non-denominational church that was in Newport, actually. Um, while I was in Arkadelphia, I attended um, Greater Pleasant Hill. I attended, um, I think, Genezaret Baptist mm-hmm. Church. And again, some of the other Second Baptist and things of that sort. But my uh, membership was with a non-denominational church in Newport um, because I became frustrated, honestly, with some of the, I guess, frustrated with some of the restrictions and um, maybe even I stretch it to say hypocrisy Mm -hmm. by some of my fellow believers. And so um, I've struggled some with um, denominational backgrounds just by nature of what it entails and the doctrinal um, issues there. But I, again, attended a non-denominational church. And, but here in Little Rock, I am a member of St. Mark Baptist Church. So it's been really um, a kind of a full circle experience almost with, um, you know, the denominational aspect of my Christian faith. Yeah, it seems like St. Mark's has been really in the forefront of the racial justice, racial equality talk. And I loved your uh, panel that you were on there. Thank uh, you. Yeah. How is the church continuing to move forward with discussions and things? They've shown a great commitment to all things justice um, over this, these past several months, obviously, but even before that, mm-hmm. um, we had a Wednesday night Bible study series about how do you have, how do you deal with that holy anger that you feel? And what does the Bible have to say about a lot of these issues? Um, I think a lot of what we're discussing and what we're seeing, it's important for it to be um, embedded in the message that is coming from our faith leaders. Mm -hmm. And so obviously from a Christian perspective and with context, but it's been um, permeating a lot of the messages that we've we've had. Um, and so I think it's just kind of, again, an ongoing fight. And however, it, it should influence everything that we do 
um, because it matters to fellow people of God. So the church is, again, like you said, been leading on this issue and they continue to do so with um, a lot of the efforts that they they push. Yeah, definitely. Um, I know you've been part of some Zoom calls with Dr. Sells and other alumni. Uh, how do you feel like Washtenaw is doing in the area of racial equality and racial justice? And are there things that have encouraged you or, you know, things where there's still work to be done? How do you feel like uh, the university is doing as a whole there? Yeah, honestly, John, I think Washita, like many institutions, organizations, and businesses are severely lacking in that area. Um, that is ju- just the truth of the matter. But as you mentioned, I am extremely encouraged by Dr. Sales and his leadership. I believe that he um, has made racial justice a priority for the university. Um, and it's very important to ensure that our university is an inclusive one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know the history of most institutions across the South and even across the country um, have struggled with racial issues um, long before many of us were even here. Uh, but it's imperative for all of us to do what we can to right those wrongs. And I'm very excited about um, a lot of the work that's being done at Washita. I've offered myself in whatever capacity I need to, to help in those efforts. These are, have been ongoing conversations since I've been on campus. And so I'm really pleased with the leadership um, of Dr. Sales that he not only is hearing the concerns and the issues, but is acting on them. Um, and so that is, that is worth its weight in gold, if you will, because it's easy for lip service. And we, we've seen a lot of that over the last several months with businesses issuing statements and um, doing what is trendy right now and what's popular. Um, But when you actually implement some of those efforts and initiatives to not to go past the listening stage to really making changes to improve um, recruitment, retention, um, not only of students, but of staff and faculty, those are some of the concerns that we've been hearing that I've um, noticed, and I am very, very excited about the future of Washita under Dr. Sills' leadership and other leaders there on campus. Definitely. You know, we had the peaceful protests here in Arkadelphia, and I asked some other coworkers, I said, can we go to that? Like, will it be okay? <laughs> and they said, Dr. Sills is speaking. And I thought, okay, we're going. <laughs> that is awesome. Yeah, I he, love it. He was leading out. So yeah, it's he's been just a real encouragement in that and just always trying to guide us. So I appreciate your voice into that process as well. Um, I know you're still involved in your hometown and really invested in Newport. Um, I'd be interested to hear a little bit more about your club restore work and what that looks like. Sure. Um, So again, Newport rarely there anymore, but it's still home. It will forever be home to me. My family's there and uh, who knows what the future holds. Maybe someday I'll be back there, but Um, One thing that I feel extremely blessed about is that I've had an opportunity to be exposed to life beyond Newport when so many others have not or will not and cannot. And so I felt um, just convicted, honestly, when I um, made it to law school and, you know, had set kind of a future for myself. Um, in the career that I had chosen to do something to give back. And so this is my way to remain plugged in and to continuously give back to 
um, the city, the town that has given so much to me. And so RESTORE is an acronym for reaching and empowering students to overcome restraints and excel. Mm -hmm. And so um, I would love to see it be an opportunity for students in the city of Newport to see um, circumstances and lifestyles beyond what maybe they're used to. Mm -hmm. And so um, if there's an opportunity to do some mentoring or big sister, big brother type of programming for the students there. Um, if there's an opportunity to expose them to internships that they maybe haven't seen or get, take them on college tours and things of that sort, just whatever it is to really work with the youth in that community, really get them um, programming and workshops about things that maybe they otherwise wouldn't get. And that includes budgeting classes, financial literacy, or whatever the case may be. So we're doing um, a few different things related to the students. Also, volunteering, I think, is important, teaching them the importance of giving back. And so I can be that example. I can do some um, speaking engagements there. Or here during COVID, Club Restore sponsored a, a COVID personal pack for elderly. And so we had students giving those out at the peaceful protests in Newport, these COVID care packages that had, you know, cloth mask and hand sanitizer and gloves and uh, sanitation wipes. So different things like that, that we're able to, again, stay plugged into a community that has given me so much in whatever capacity I can do that in. And we're looking at opportunities for scholarships and um, we'll have um, a wheels and insurance workshop coming up soon. So again, it's just a way for me to give back to this community, not only the students, which it was geared towards at first, but also to the greater greater community as well. Yeah, I love that. And then, um, are there others that come alongside you? Do you have kind of a team of folks that work with you on that? Yeah, so I'm luckily, luckily I have friends and family that I can call on for different different things as, as needed, but I would love to partner with whomever. There are several organizations that are doing great things down there. Um, we have, you know, whenever we host something in particular, there the volunteers pour in. So it's kind of a, a team effort on most occasions. And um, I would love to get someone that would just kind of take it and run it full time for me, because obviously I'm pulled in a lot of different directions. But Right now, it's mainly family and friends as needed. I know you're still really connected to campus. And, you know, like you said, you kind of offer up any services to any of us whenever we need something. Um, how do you feel Washtop prepared you for your career in law and government? What does that look like? Yeah, I think Washtop was definitely a godsend for me, you know, taking the good, bad and the ugly. Um, but I definitely appreciate my time there because it prepared me for the real world. In a lot of ways, Washtenaw is the bubble as we know that it's called, but it gave me some real life experiences related to being um, a black woman in a not so black space, for instance. Um, it taught me a lot of leadership roles that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to have. Um, and so to be able to manage a team at my age, I don't know that I would have been able to do so had I not had a lot of the roles that I had at Washtenaw, roles that made me uncomfortable speaking to the board of directors sometimes as a maybe 19 or 20 year old student or, um, you know, traveling to Philadelphia with 
what was called SIPE at the time to present to a room of strangers and things of that sort, those different experiences that a lot of my friends and colleagues who attended larger universities um, or even some smaller universities, but that don't prepare you for leadership in life. I am very, very grateful for the opportunities that I had and that were presented to me while I was at Washita. And again, being in a place where your faith is at the forefront, it really teaches you to make sure that that is integrated in everything you do. So even if I'm not walking in with a cross on my back, you know, into a meeting, it informs what I do because it is part of who I am. So again, I think Washita definitely contributed to that uh, spiritual growth as well as that professional growth. Yeah. What are some of your favorite professors that you worked with here at Washington? Yeah, I'd have to give it to uh, Dean Brian McKinney. As much as I hate to give him that type of credit, <laughs> we we are great friends even to this day, which I am just absolutely amazed and honored by. But to have that relationship that has spanned over ten years, I, I started Washita when I was in two, that was it was in two thousand six. So to have that relationship, to have someone who really is invested in my success and seeing me grow and evolve really means a lot. So I'll definitely give him my favorite professor. I love that. Um, what about a favorite activity on campus? Was there one area you were involved in that you enjoyed you know, the most? Oh, man, favorite activity. You, you always have to acknowledge those Saturday football games. Just the energy of the football games is just unlike anything else. So that's definitely one of my favorite activities on campus. Um, I would also say I was an RA for, I guess, a few years. So really, really enjoyed um, being at, we called her Mama V's apartment. Uh, She was over the RA. So she was, we had a lot of good times and good meals there. Um, and let me think of another one. I would say we had, we had ROMs at the time, mm-hmm. reaching out to multicultural students. Those meetings were a ton of fun. And I would even say refuge would probably be another one. Um, it's one of my favorite activities on campus. Nice. Those are good. Uh, what dorm was it where you were RA? I started in Francis Crawford. Okay. Um, upgraded. So that was sophomore year, junior year. I was at Matic. That's where I was junior year. And then my senior year, I was at um, one of the apartment complexes. Okay. So all right there as well. Nice. Are you a Tiger Tunes fan? Do you like coming to Tunes? I do. I love Tunes and had an opportunity to judge a few years ago. So it was a ton of fun kind of sitting in that role as well. Yeah, any favorite shows, anything that stands out, one of your favorite groups to watch? I love Campus Ministries because it's always a really large group, very diverse because it's usually a lot of the freshmen who can't otherwise participate. So I really like their their shows as well as the, um, which, which social club were you in? I was a Kappa. I like the Kappa shows. <laughs> Kappa shows are always so good. It's almost unfair. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those would probably be some of my top two. But everyone is always so, so good. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, I never actually got to do tunes because back in the day, if you were an OSF, you couldn't do Tiger tunes. Yeah. 
you had to run it. And I think that changed about the time that you helped kind of shape the future of OSF. You were in that, <laughs> in that crew. Yep. So yeah, now all of our OSF kids are doing shows and then running out and selling t-shirts. And <laughs> That's right. You put on your blazer and then you run back in. Yep. yep. Uh, any favorite spot on campus? Is there a place you love on Washlaw's campus? The calf, hands down. Love the calf. Nice. What was it about the calf that you enjoyed the most? First of all, food, of course, as a broke college student, I just love the fact that I could eat all that I wanted to eat, oftentimes my favorite foods for nothing. I mean, I guess I was technically paying for it, but um, it just was awesome to sit in there. But it just became really um, the place where we were able to congregate. I also felt like this is maybe a perspective that some may not be aware of, but as a Black student on campus, um, the only place that you see people who look like you are is typically in the cafeteria. It's an unfortunate fact, but it's the reality. And so to go to a place where the service individuals, the ones checking you in, the the cooks and all of those people, they look like you and they're familiar. So it's almost a sense of um, comfort. And it kind of reminds you of home in a sense, because it's like, oh, that person is kind of like my cousin three times removed or my aunt or, you know, my uncle. And so I think that probably has a role to play in why the cafeteria was definitely a place of comfort for many students like me. Hmm. Yeah. I think that's good to, good to hear. It has a feeling of home to it mm-hmm. there. Uh, any other favorite memories about your time at Washaw or their, you know, favorite moments during your time? Wow, I have so many fond memories of Washita, um from, again, football games. There's one particular Battle of the Ravine um, that was actually over at Henderson. And it might have been in 2009 or 10. I'm not really sure. But my cousin, Julio, who is kind of a Washita legend, um, definitely more so than I am, but he made ESPN top. 10 plays of the day or something like that or plays of the week. And so it was just an amazing game. Um, That's one memory that really, really stands out for me. Many of the Tiger tunes, many of the the Black History Month chapels, um, like I said, ROM's meetings were pure comedy most most months we had those meetings. And so I also spent a little time playing basketball when I was at Washita. So um, so just there's literally a litany of things that I can remember. Um, and conversations that I've had, even in the classrooms, um, opportunities that I've had through OSF and through SIFE and being in the business school and things of that sort really, really just has such played a role on who I've become. It's hard to really choose anything in particular, but I'm, I'm just extremely grateful for my time there. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to say to your Washtaw family out there listening today? Yeah, Washtaw family, I'm just, again, grateful to be part of the fam. Um, I'm grateful for this opportunity, John, for you allowing me to um, share on the Tiger for Life podcast. I'm very much a fan and look forward to a lot of the guests that come um, every episode. But I, I just want everyone listening to really dig into who we are as a Washtaw family. Let's really use this opportunity, not only in our country, 
um, but in our um, faith to define who we want to be. And we can really use this opportunity to define Washita as an institution, um, our faith as we lead in matters of justice and oppression, racism and other forms of oppression. It's really time to do some self-reflection. And I'm just excited about what we can do as the body of Christ to really make a difference um, in the lives of others and in society in general. So that's kind of what I want to leave with everyone. Let's do some self-reflection to decide and define who we will be um, in light of what's going on now. Definitely. Well, I want you to know from your Washtenaw family here, we're so proud of all the work you're doing and the work you're doing with Mayor Scott. And I just want to thank you for your willingness to walk alongside us as we continue to move the marker forward with racial equality and justice here. Um, we're just thankful for your partnership and, and uh, look forward to how we can move that forward uh, with your assistance and the help of so many other, you know, alums that are willing to invest in that. So absolutely. Thank you so much. And I'm excited. And again, if I can be of help to anyone, um, anyone listening, and obviously you guys there at Washita, please don't hesitate to give me a call. I'm willing and ready to serve. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you so much. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy day at the mayor's office there and uh, just appreciate you joining us. Thank you, John. Thanks, Kendra. Thanks for listening to the Tiger for Life podcast. Be sure to rate and subscribe so you won't miss out on future episodes. Oh, yeah.